We cannot go through the door of God's blessing, the promised land, carrying every wrong done to us in the past. The door is too narrow. We won't fit. This is why we got to leave that stuff where we found it. That stuff has been planted on the inside of us as a ticking time bomb by the enemy. And he's hoping down the road he can set this stuff off on us and derail the plans of God. Because here's, here's the truth. The truth is we already have victory. You're a man of strong passion, a warrior of great courage, designed and created to conquer, to crush it in singleness and marriage. To master fatherhood, finance, and health, you were made to reign in life. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on the Made to Reign podcast. This is a place where we engage men like you where you are in life, whether that's singleness, marriage, fatherhood, wherever you are. We want to empower you with biblical truth. And then we want to just encourage you on your walk with Jesus. And that is our mission. That is our goal. And that is all we aim to do. And I was so glad last episode to be able to bring on Dr. Billy Allsbrook because he is doing that at the worldwide level. He's been planting spiritual seeds into fertile soils all over the world. And guys, if you have not listened to our previous podcast, the first part of this conversation, I want to make sure that you head over there first. Gentlemen, again, here's the rest of the conversation with Dr. Billy Osbrooks. When I was in Hawaii, um, a guy said something in a business meeting that stuck with me in spiritually as well. And um, he had started a business two and a half years ago. And I was like, what is your secret? You know, how did you build this? He went from, you know, um, starting his own mortgage firm for uh, VA for veterans um, from starting in 2017 to loaning out 700 million this year, this past year, like from zero to I said, you know, what's the secret? Well, you know, how did you do this? And he said, look, give me one customer and I'll give you a business. He said, I will serve that customer so good. They will bring me back 10 more. And those 10 will be a hundred and those hundreds will be a thousand. And we got a business. Now that's the same thing in the church. Give me one and I'll give you a ministry. I'll give you the kingdom of God. Cause we will love this person with the word of God so much that he will bring 10 and she will bring 10 and then we'll have this whole thing different in this world. But that's not sexy. See, cause I that's want, right. I want a hundred thousand followers. Right. Right. <laughs> that's right. Man. So, it's 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 quality, man. We, yeah. we we so focused on scoreboard watching now. now. How many likes? How many followers? How many subscribers? How many views? We get caught up in that, you know. It's it's we've got to get back to the basics, to the process, buying into the things that put points on the scoreboard. You know, if we love our neighbor like we love ourselves, there won't be enough seats no matter where you're preaching, whether it's in a fifty thousand uh, seat arena. Or a hundred seat church If you love people There won't be enough seats You know it's simple Just get up and do that Every single day And and the scoreboards will sh- and The points will show up On the scoreboard Yeah You know Success is a marathon Of consistency Walk that one day at a time We get up every day Walk the message out Get up every day Love people Get up every day Aggressively pursue your calling Get up every single day And align with the word Get up every single day With, with God's plan on your mind and the only vision in your mind and eventually that vision will be be manifested into reality you know we just got to put the work in like you said that's not sexy it's the microwave you know generation let's put it in 15 seconds and and, you know it's done that's not how life is man not the big things if you want to build something big it's gonna take a minute yeah you know but it's so worth it at the end 
It's so worth it at the end. But the thing is the buying in process. We got to get people to buy into the things that actually produce the fruit. Yeah. Dr. Billy, if you can go back to your 20 year old self, I'm talking about one minute. You're right, right in front of mm-hmm. him. Right. You can tell him whatever you want and you're going to disappear right. just like that. Right. What would you say to him? Well, back in when I was 20, I was rapping okay. and I wasn't fully me. Yeah. I'd go back and i say, listen, son, be you. Be in your truth. You can't be nobody else. Be the one God made you to be. That's enough. And number two, God loves you, bro. And you're dreaming too small. Dream big and invite God into the situation. Own your truth. Aggressively pursue you. Don't be scared because God is with you. And that's it. Simple. Fire, true music. What I preach uh, on some of the messages you hear on the YouTube video, fire is do your passion. The things that excite you, ignite you, make you feel alive. You know, I love this, bro. Like we could do this all day. I ain't looking at the clock. Yeah. I'm doing what I love to do. Yeah, pay or no pay. I don't care. I just love this. I get I get high on it in a good way. This is what God has called me to do. Right. And when we tap into what God has put on the inside of us, we have food that they know not of. You know, we get it that the power, we vibrate at a higher level and um, success requires a higher level of vibration in order to attract it. So when you start doing what God calls you to do and you alone, you become on fire. Right. Other things start to open up. Massive opportunities starts to run to you. The second thing is truth. Truth is the good tool for greatness. The truth is the word and we must align with the word, what God says to do. We must align with who he is and who he has called us to be. And when I was 20, I was not me. I was halfway me because I fully didn't love me. The world had told me, well, you know, you're not good enough. We always think we need something else. We need a car to be good enough. We need, uh, you know, a new designer shirt, a new designer bag, a new hat, whatever it is, new shoes, whatever it is for us to be worthy. We're already worthy. We are wonderfully and perfectly made. God said this, see, and I didn't believe that. So, you know, the truth part is very, very critical to success. You have to know who God is, who he made you to be, and your own truth on the inside. And then the last part is music. And when I say music, I don't necessarily mean um, like acoustic music. What I mean is we're all vibrating, right? Our message should be rooted in our, our passions, the fire and our truths. And we should find ways to take these two, the gifts that we have, package them up and deliver, deliver them in a valuable way to the world. How can we package up what God has put in us in a way that will add value to the world? That's success. Fire, truth, music is simple. And that's, I mean, that's what I go out and, and teach the world right now is do you, do you. Most people are not doing them. They're doing a paycheck. Yeah. You know, they traded their call and the passion, the thing that God called them to do, the thing that would actually liberate them. They've traded that in for a safe, secure nine to five. Let me give you a check, you know, and, and under the illusion that they are safe. Yeah. Not believing that the company could go out of business tomorrow or lay off people. They don't believe that. They just I got my check on Friday. You know, God called us all to do certain things and that we're the only one designed to be able to do it. You know, there's a certain gift that only you can give to the world. There's a certain gift only I can give to the world. And if we don't do it, it's a domino effect. You know, you're assigned to help one person. If you don't help that person, that person can't fulfill the next thing that they're supposed to do. And the next thing is a domino. So we got to do us and what God called us to do. I had shared with you that there's two pieces of paper in my Bible. One of them was given to me by you over two years ago while we were sitting in a group of, uh, of men gathering to hear to hear truth. And uh, it says on the top, detoxing emotionally. And here's one of the things that rattled me that I still uh, just remember and why this remains in here. 
What the enemy can't do on the outside, unforgiveness does it on the inside. Can you run through that real quick and explain that a bit? Let's read the verse there. Yeah. Let's start yeah. out with that verse, man. Okay. Which one is it? Ephesians 4, 31, 32. This, this verse is powerful because it affects the inside. And everything that we do is built on our emotional state. And we get, if we want success in life, if we want to function in the fullness that God has called us to do, if we want to walk in our greatness, the things that God has assigned us to do, we have to get the inside foundation right. Everything is built upon this. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Now, this is the first step in my book, Blessed and Unstoppable. Yeah. First step, because you've got to, if you want success, you've got to lay the foundation for it. Everything is built on your emotional state. Yeah. You know, if you don't get this right and you get, and you do get success, it's going to implode on you. We see that every day in Hollywood, people, um, you know, reach the heights, but haven't dealt with the internal. Yeah. And then sooner or later, they pay the cost for that. You know, you've got to be aware. God did not say this lightly. He understood that you cannot do what he's called you to do unless you do that. One of the things that's interesting about getting so high, like you said, and and, and not dealing with these small little things is that, right. uh, let's say, for example, we're climbing the world's tallest mountain. We get to 24,000 feet and get a paper right. cut. We can't heal up there, even with a little laceration. Mm-mm. So we actually got to get brought down that's right. to at least 12,000 feet where our body right. can actually start recuperating and start right. healing itself. Right. And so, yeah, man, you're right. There's this foundation. This foundation has to be there. Success in life is is like a airline. The other day I got on to go to Hawaii and they said, how many carry-on bags do you have? You know, they charge for carry-ons now, right? The more bags I had, the more it was, the more weight it was, the more it was. Life is the same way. When you're trying to get on the plane for success, the plane for peace, the, the plane for greatness, the mission that God has called, when you're trying to get on that airline, you can't bring all that luggage and past bitterness and anger and resentment and get on that plane. You can't get on with that stuff. And if you do, life is going to tax you for everything that you bring on that plane. See, in the, the door, we cannot go through the door of God's blessing, the promised land, carrying every wrong done to us in the past. The door is too narrow. We won't fit. This is why we got to leave that stuff where we found it. That stuff has been planted on the inside of us as a ticking time bomb by the enemy. And he's hoping down the road he can set this stuff off on us and derail the plans of God. Because here's here's the truth. The truth is we already have victory. On that cross, Christ said, it is finished. We already have it. The only chance the enemy has against us is to get us to get back what we already have. And the way we give it back is the bitterness, the resentment, the things on the inside. And in that class that day, I'll tell them the story. I talk about this tree that had been here in America for over 500 years, been struck by lightning 16 times, snowstorms, windstorms, tornadoes, everything had come to this tree and it was still there, still alive, still flourishing. But one day somebody introduced it around the environment, not in the tree, but around the environment, some little small beetles. And these beetles came to the tree and embedded themselves on the inside of that tree. And within nine months, what had, the outside world had been trying to take down for 500 years. In nine months, those little beetles ate the inside of that tree and that tree fell over and died. And that's the same with us. What the enemy cannot do on the outside, he will attempt to plan in us to do on the inside. 
So remember this. We have to scan ourselves at all times and say, what do I need to let go of? Who have I not forgiven? You know, and really, really meditate on that because some of the stuff, you know, that we're holding on the inside happened 20, 30 years ago. And we might not even remember it on the top of our mind. We might not remember it. It's in our subconscious. So we have to dig and go deep and say, Lord, show me what needs to be uncovered. Show me what needs to be revealed. Show me what's hidden in me that the enemy's trying to use against me and your plans. Show me that so that I can bring it to the surface and we can deal with it. So the thing that I teach with this step is to sit down with a piece of paper and write anybody who comes up to your mind that did you wrong, betrayed you, hurt you, pained you, wronged you, whatever. Anybody that caused any kind of negative emotion in you, write that now, that name down on paper. And then just sit there for 30 minutes and any name that pops up, don't filter, just write their name down. And then when you're done, the assignment is every single day for the next seven days, lay your hand on that piece of paper and say a blessing and a prayer over each and every one of them. Just like they're your family, just like they're your people, just like the people that you care and love about. Put your hand on that piece of paper and pray for them. Now, here's the thing. I want to clarify. I'm not saying the stuff done to you is right. I'm not agreeing with that. And that's not what I'm aligning with. What I am saying is your future, if you're listening to me, your future is too important to be held hostage by bitterness, anger, resentment, undealt with emotions. Your future is too important. So when you're praying for them, you are freeing yourself. You're liberating yourself. Because see, you hadn't truly forgiven a person until you can say a blessing over them. When you can pray that everything that you want in life, the good, the money, the finances, the health, the healing, all this stuff, the good marriage, the good family, the raising the children, right? When you can pray that over somebody else, then you've conquered what the enemy has tried to plant in you. And like Christ said, it is finished. Then you're free from that. See, unforgiveness is um, emotional incarceration. It's emotional cancer and it will seek to spread. You can't compartmentalize resentment and jealousy and bitterness. And you can't compartmentalize that. It will seek to spread and seek to invade every corner of your existence. It will not stop. You're like, well, that person did me wrong. I'll just hold that and I'll be good to everyone else. No, no, no. That will bleed over into every other relationship, whether you know it or not. Decisions that you make, it will affect. That's why I say we have to go back because when I did this step, I had to go all the way back to when I was in three years old. When I was three years old, a mother took me to daycare and somehow I got labeled as the bad kid. I don't know how three years old you get labeled. I was passionate, had a lot of energy. And when I would come in, my mother would wave. She would leave. And when I come in, almost immediately, they'd tie me up in a chair and put me in a corner. For hours, for hours. Yeah. Me and another guy, they would they would tie us up, two different chairs, because we were the bad ones. Yeah. And they would, three, four hours, we'd be stuck and not doing anything, just sitting there. Now, they wouldn't do it when my mom was about to pick me up. All of a sudden, now they would untie me or whatever. And one day, my mom came early and saw that, and oh, she lit into them. It would have been a big lawsuit today. But the thing was... These kind of things, man, you know, affected me because I always felt like during the middle of the day, the teacher would would get everybody and and make a circle with the kids. And she'd sit right in the middle of the circle and read stories. And I'm sitting over there with the other guy in the corner, the bad kid. We're sitting over there. Right. And we're like, I want to be so, so bad. I want to be in that circle. For the rest of my life, for the next 20, 30 years, I've tried to get back in the circle. Like my success and pursuing aggressively the way I was doing in music was to get back in the circle. Like if I'm good at something, then I'll be worthy enough to get and sit with everyone else. It affected me in a negative kind of way until one day God moved on me when I was out of my prayer time. 
And I hadn't thought about it in years. It's like I'm saying some of this stuff is stuffed down in us for years. God moved on me one day and said, it wasn't them that separated you from the circle, son. It was me. You cannot go and do what I've called you to do with the mindset of the circle. Yeah, I set you aside a long time ago. But see, all these decisions that I was making in music, the way I was aggressively pursuing success and just running over people was all rooted in me not feeling like I was good enough that I got to earn my way in to be loved, to be perfect, to be accepted or whatever. I had to earn that. You know what I mean? That I didn't understand my true identity, that I was wonderfully and perfectly made the way I was. God didn't make mistakes. You know, he didn't make a mistake making me. Somebody needs to hear that. He, you're not a mistake. I don't make mistakes. You know, only thing that was lacking was my awareness of my maker and his nature. So this step with detox and emotionally, man, it can go way back and you're not even realize it. So spend the time, write the names down of anybody that pops up on your head and deal with it every single day, seven days, pray a blessing over them. See good things in your mind happening for that person. See good things happening. And in seven days, you'll be lighter. And if it's still seven days, you're still feeling it, then continue to do this until you can see this person in your mind or see them in person and not have that uh, tension arise on the inside of you. Once it's gone, then you are free. And like I said, again, I'm going to say this one more time. I'm not saying what that was done to you is right. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is your future is too important to be held hostage by the enemy and his devices. Let that stuff go. Free yourself. And I had this um, situation that taught me something the other day, too. This lady calls me. She's like, my mom just had uh, an issue and got rushed to the hospital. She's, you know, unconscious, got bleeding on the brain. They're immediately going to have to go and do surgery. She's going to die. Can you pray for her? And I said, of course. But let me ask you this first. Are you, you know, how's your relationship with her? I'm mad at my mom right now. From something happened 20 years ago. I'm mad at her. I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I will pray, but I need you to do something. I need you to call your sister who's in the room there with your mom. She's unconscious. What I need you to do is hold the phone up to your mother. And I need you over the phone to tell her you forgive her right now. Because I'm not going to say this prayer and you be holding resentment. It's going to affect the prayer for one. And you're, you're still being held in bondage by the situation also. So she did exactly what, what I suggested. We prayed, came in agreement without any doubt in us. And she called and, and told her mother she forgave her. And the craziest thing happened. Her sister held the phone up. She told her mother, I forgive you. And as soon as she did that, the mother threw up. She was unconscious, but threw up. It was like things in her came out of her. So see, our, our resentment, our anger, our stuff like this is keeping other people in bondage. Even though they did wrong, it's holding them in a state that they shouldn't be. Right? So she did that. The mother threw up. They went in and had surgery. And two days later, she walked out of that hospital. They said they couldn't believe it. The, the, the surgeon was like, I've never seen nothing like this. You know, the power of prayer, when prayed, in balance and peace is undeniable. So we see we can't. We're trying to um, pray for people and heal people and help people with the power of God through us functioning through us. But we we're doing it diluted and polluted, yeah. and expecting to have the fullness of the power and have access to that. We cannot have full access to the kingdom of God with these things. These things are in the way. So this is this step right here will also empower you to be more useful for the kingdom because the more we get out of us, the more God can use us. Yeah, the more that power that power can flow down from heaven and into every single one that He sends us.
You know, if we pray for someone, we need to be clean on the inside. This is why it says, you know, if you go to go to um, make an offering and, and you have you're holding something against your brother, go make that right. Yeah. And then come back. To That's what I was just looking up. Matthew 5, 24. Amen. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Amen. Jesus is worried about something completely different than what the world is worried about. That's right. And his entire kingdom is upside down. That's right. And uh, I've heard it said before that. Unforgiveness is like drinking a potion and then expecting the other person to die. <laughs> That's right. We just poison on ourselves. It's, yeah. it's emotional poison, emotional cancer. It's toxic and it will bring you down. Yeah. Straight up. I think men are at a bit of a disadvantage here, not because God made us differently and because we're so macho and we have this bravado. No, it's because our we have this self-imposed and sometimes culturally imposed restriction about how deep we can actually go. Right. And how authentic we could actually be in public. And so we we sort of hold back and don't allow ourselves to come completely undone and be known to the point where we can actually dig that deep back to an occasion from when you were three years old and say, you know, that did hurt. That hurt that young, that, that spirit, that hurt that young soul. And there's some healing that needs to happen. And so to the young men listening, I just want to give you not just authority because you already have that, but I want to give you permission to let down. Let it go. Now, I, I mean, by that, I mean, let go of the guards that you've been putting up that haven't allowed you to go that deep within yourself or allow other people to go deeper inside a, a, of an intimate relationship with you, whether it is other godly men who want to come alongside you or even your spouse who you've been keeping things from because of the fear of being rejected and not being loved. One reason Jesus was able to forgive so many people that did him wrong is because he understood who actually did it. He understood it wasn't the person, right? We It's not that we war against the flesh, remember? It's the dark powers, the spirits that get upon these people that cause the transgression. This is why, remember, he said, get behind me, Satan, when he was talking to Peter. He was talking to Peter, but he said, get behind me, Satan. Why would he say that? Because the spirit had gotten on Peter. Yeah. So the, 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 the negative spirit, these dark spirits will get on people and cause these things that go on to us, right? And it's not that person. That person was made by God. It's the spirit that got on them, right? So we need to place the blame in the right situation. This is why Jesus was able to forgive. Forgive them for they know not what they do. They're not the one doing it. It's the enemy that got in them that's doing it. You know, the enemy can get the mouth of a righteous person without even knowing it. Yeah. You know, if if you won't sow death and destruction over your dream and over your life and over the promises of God with your own mouth, God will send somebody close to you and put the words in their mouth to, to sow it. We have to be aware and know the devices of the enemy. So this is why I say, man, this step right here will change your life. If you're hearing this message, it's not by mistake. Do this step. Write the people down that have hurt you, harmed you, betrayed you, or have any negative emotion. Put your hands on a piece of paper. And the next seven days, pray a blessing over these people. And it will change your life. It will liberate you. It will free you. And it will prepare you for your future. Because some people right now listening to this are disqualified for what God is trying to do because you're still holding on to the past. To qualify for the future, you have to let go of the past so you can't fit in it. So we got to let that stuff go. Before we let you go, give us one more piece of uh, wisdom, another nugget of wisdom that the Lord's put on your heart for these young men. Vision. Vision is the genesis of all greatness. In the word, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So what we need to do is ask God to show us who we are so we can get a vision for that. 
Close our eyes and get a vision for him to understand who he is, our maker. And then ask him to show us what he wants for us in our life. What are we to be pursuing? And when you get that vision in your mind that God has has uh, planted there, we have to establish his vision and turn our back on anything that runs contrary to that which he is trying to build. We have to almost go into a state of amnesia, reject and abandon our current state as it never existed. I am that I am. And it's always been. So whatever God is telling us, it's always been. I don't know that other person who lives with limitations, who doesn't live in power. Who lives in resentment. I don't know that person anymore. We must reject that and climb into the vision that God has put in us. Greater was he that is in us than he that is in the world. Now, we are to project what's on the inside of us, that vision, upon the world. The way we do this is we close our eyes and we envision only that which God has given us. We build it first here. Now, we have to establish the dream in the mental realm first. See, personal transformation starts with developing a mental blueprint with the exact specifications for how you want your life to look in every area. There's a way your marriage is supposed to look written in here. You find out what it says and you close your eyes and you vision your marriage exactly the way God said it's supposed to be. Exactly. And you don't entertain, you don't negotiate and you don't conceive with the outside world to any other outcome than that one God promised for that marriage. Same thing with healing. If God says by his stripes, you are healed and you and maybe you're going through the illusion of some kind of sickness. It's an illusion, right? Because it is finished. We are healed, right? By his stripes, we are healed. We close our eyes and only see that which God has promised. For I will restore health unto thee and I will heal thee out of wounds. We close our eyes and we crawl into that healed body and we shut our eyes until we have established that state on the inside of us. We have to establish it so strong when our physical eyes open up, our physical eyes cannot bring us back to that state of sickness. We only believe that which is in the word. According to your faith, so be it unto you. We crawl right into the dream, the healing, the restoration of the marriage, the finances, whatever God says we have. We close our eyes and dream it until it becomes our reality. And we accept no other outcome than that which is promised by God. We don't negotiate and say, well, you know, I, you know, financial freedom at 65. That's not what God said. You will lend them many nations and not borrow. Remember the Lord thy God for the him that gives you the power to gain wealth, right? Same thing with the sickness. By his stripes, you are here. We're not settling for halfway recovery. You've had back surgery and, well, you know, if I could just walk with a cane. No, you're going to be running on the track. We don't settle for anything other than what that word says we have. Sometimes we settle way, be way below what God has intended for us to do. So vision, what I'm, the message is vision. Get a vision for your life because if you don't have a vision, you're going to be building the enemy's vision or working to help somebody else build their vision. And if we don't have a vision, we're walking around in a state of chaos. Now we are to close our eyes and dream and imagine the word of God coming to alive in our life in 4K, high definition, high resolution mental imagery. We plant our feet in that world. We plant our roots in that world. And like I said, when you open your physical eyes, these physical eyes and senses that don't seem that they're under the illusion that you don't have what that word says you have yet. We don't buy into this. We are so planted in that world that God said that we have that our physical eyes and our senses cannot keep us here. And we immediately transported to what God promised. And this is how Jesus walked around and laid hands on the sick and they recovered right on the spot.
Because he didn't accept any other outcome than what God has put in a period. You heal. Get up and walk. There was no, well, like, are, are you feeling better? No, he knew. He spoke with authority. And when we do that, we can change the world. We need to see these streets clean. We need to see these people in these recoveries, getting recovery, getting help and walking in victory, getting up on stage, giving a testimony. I've been sober for 20 years. This person might have been on drugs for 20 years and don't look nothing like that. But we must see them getting up there on stage saying God still moves. 20 years I've been sober. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. We have to see the victory. Your, your, your parent uh, or loved one gets a, a diagnosis of cancer. It's really bad. Stage four. I don't come in agreement with that. The word says you are healed. I close my eyes and I don't see anything but my loved one getting that report that I cannot find cancer anywhere on this x-ray. I don't know what happened. Maybe they made a mistake, but you don't have it anymore. We must see this word and feel this word and grab this word and seize this word and own this word and step into the promised land. And it all starts, like I said, with the vision, vision, vision. It, it's so powerful in there, man. You know, um, Joseph, the dreamer. That's us. God will plant a dream in you. If he hadn't already, maybe maybe the dream is already in you. Maybe you just hadn't hadn't fully bought into it or don't think that you can accomplish it. But with God, all things are possible. And that with God part is Romans 12 two. be not conformed to this world, the shaping, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if your mind is renewed and refreshed and aligned with that, with God, then all things are possible. Think about that, man. You can do whatever God plants in you. If you can imagine it, envision it, and establish it on the inside, there's nothing that you can't do. Greater is he that is in me. And that's the vision. Than the outside world. That means this vision we can impress upon which is lesser than us. And it must bow to us. Right? Destiny is obligated by universal law to concede to the demands of unwavering faith. Unwavering faith. Let a double-minded man expect nothing, right? Double-minded means, you know, I'm, I'm thinking over here victory one day and then I'm thinking... I'm still sick. I'm thinking victory over here. I got finances. I'm fi financial freedom. And the next day, well, my, my account doesn't show that and reflect that. Right. That's double mindedness. To be one with God. Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord, our God is one. We must be one with the vision. And if he says we are financially free, I don't know what lack is. I don't know what scarcity is. I'll give you an example. Um, I was on this flight the other day. Coming back and it was really, really bumpy. So I got a control of my mind. Peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled nor let it be afraid. Now I'm sitting there on this plane and on the inside everything is rocking around me. But I continue to say this verse until it takes root. And actually now I feel that which I have been repeating over and over. And everything is rattling and shaking and all this, but I'm in peace. And then the thoughts of the enemy would rise up like, you know, what if you're like Kobe and now I'm this, this plane or whatever, right? And I responded as if God would respond, I am, who are you? I don't know you. If God says I am peace, I am peace. Who are you? I am 
what God says I am and I refuse to acknowledge anything else. And man, I, I would do this over and over time. I fear, man, I had so much peace on that flight and that flight was hell. Everyone around me was acting crazy, but I had the most peace I had ever had on a flight because I gained control of my mind. I aligned with what God said I had and I would not accept it. And the same thing with sickness. Who are you? See, we must unlearn sickness. Who are you? I don't know who you are. Sickness can only exist if we are aware of it. God doesn't have sickness. What is that? You remember in the garden? God asked Adam and Eve there in the garden. He said, you know, he came to them, where, where are you? And they said, we are naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? God didn't know what naked was. You understand? Because it, 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 the knowledge of good and evil is mean, means you have to learn evil. You have to acknowledge and be aware of evil for it to exist. So once we become unaware, once we reject, once we um, unlearn what we have learned, then we can return to the state of the garden, which is be fruitful and multiply. There is no sickness here. Everything that word says, once we it's established on the inside of us by way of vision. See, here's the thing. Most people teach us that prayers, like we talked about coming in, was begging, wishing, and hoping. Like, please, God, please. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is reading in there what we have, coming to God and saying, I acknowledge where this is coming from. It's from you. Your word says this. I align with this. I claim this. And then, this is the part they don't teach in church. We must envision it. And we must feel it with all of our senses and all our being. And by doing so and establishing it here, then we usher in the Sabbath, which is the peace. We don't need to toil anymore. We know the healing is here. We know we are healing. It's only a matter of time before it manifests on the eighth day. That's it. Yeah. The sixth day is the toil, us overcoming the senses. We say work six days and rest on the seventh. The six days that is mentioned is symbolic too. It's not just work and physical work. It's establishing the promises of God on the inside of you by way of belief. We toil like, ah, oh, my senses don't seem like I'm getting better. Or man, my, my, my bills just keep coming in. My finances don't seem to look any better, right? We toil. But once we fully buy in to what the word says we have without the physical evidence um, being there, then we have established the promises of God on the inside of us, then we usher in the Sabbath, which is we rest in God, knowing that it is done, it is finished, and it will come. I shall send forth my word, it shall not come back void. To send it forth, it must be established first, though. We try um, to, to usher in miracles in it. We, we hadn't fully bought into the miracle yet. We can't lay hands on the sick and watch them recover unless we are bought in. This person's in a state of sickness. They're outside. We must enter into this arrangement, into this agreement whole. I know who my father is. I know who I am. Who is sickness? I don't see that. I lay my hands on them and they get sick because I don't know what it is. Who are you? There's a the verse in there. They were praying. One of the uh, Israelites was healing in the, in the Bible and they'd seen the prophets heal with Jesus' name. And they were going around healing people with Jesus. And, and the evil spirit said, I know of Paul. I know of Jesus, but who are you? And then that spirit jumped, right? The spirit jumped. But here's the real, the, the significance of symbolism is, is, is this is how we're supposed to talk. Who are you? We are God. I know God. I know Christ. Who are you? The enemy. 
Yeah. You see the signal. Who are you? And then what happens when it said that, that the spirit jumped on the other body? What that is, is a transformation and, and, and the, the healing is taking place. This person was sick and the spirit is gone now. I went into someone else and this person is not in that state anymore. Who are you? Then the spirit jump because God is into this situation. Do you understand? I am yeah. that I am. Now that spirit had to come out and this person is in a renewed state. Yeah. Because now that thinking is not there. Because why is it not there? Because I just said, who are you? I am. God is in me. God is here. Who are you? The, the enemy. The enemy leaves. And all that it remains is the perfect state that was before the unlearned, the unlearned state right. of that does not know sickness that only knows what God said it was. Call things that be not as though they were. So we speak. Who are you? All I know is healing. All I know is miracles. All I know is power. All I know is love. All I know is truth. Who are you? That thing cannot remain. All that's left is the power of God. Glory be to God. Gentlemen, if none of this has moved you, then I don't know what will. If this has not inspired you to get after it, I don't know what will. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Made to Rain podcast. We hope that this was motivation and encouragement for you. Guys, make sure that you head over to www.madetorain.org and connect with us there. Make sure you check out all the resources, other podcasts and videos that we have going on there. Also, connect with us on Instagram at Made to Rain. Make sure that you leave a podcast review. These reviews are so helpful in making sure that men like you get this podcast until next time continue to march